when that is your lived experience every single day in your business, operations is the missing key there. And you're, you know, you hear this all the time. I'm working in my business, not on my business. There's a reason for that. If you're being tracked in your business, you're not doing the highest value work. That's actually going to allow you to grow the business. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours, strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Jonna. Jonna, thank you so much for being here with us. Absolutely, Michelle. It's amazing to be here. Awesome. So give us the, tell us who you are and the 5,000 foot view of what you love to do. Perfect. So uh, my name is Jonna Lee. I am an operations coach and consultant. And what that means, because that's always the follow-up question, is that I help digital businesses design the systems and the team infrastructure that they need in order to sustainably grow and scale to their goals. So I do a lot of work with uh, business owners, startups somewhere in the you know, 100K to a million per month range, and they have their products, they know how to sell it, they know how to fulfill on it, but now they are faced with the challenge of doing that better, faster, more efficiently, and more importantly, through a team, as opposed to through the business owner. And how do we uh, grow our businesses in a way where we don't become the bottlenecks in those businesses. And that is what I help people do. I love it. So yeah. before we get into the nuts and bolts of that, how did you get into this in particular? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's an interesting story. I quite literally fell into it. Um, before I found operations, I was, I was very directionless. I was living in a converted van with my boyfriend at the time. We were traveling through North and South America and I was doing odd remote jobs and he was growing a digital marketing agency two feet across from me every single day in this tiny van. And so I started to just really learn about business by watching him grow his. And I, through a series of weird events, ended up becoming the COO of that company. And as I started to just get into the team and into the business, I started to realize there were all these gaps and all these inefficiencies and all these bottlenecks. And when I would bring them up to him, he didn't see them. He didn't know that those were there that they were a problem like like we had two completely different lenses on this business and over time i learned that what that's called is operations um <laughs> and that it is really it's a whole different way of looking at the same exact set of data but pulling a whole different set of analysis from it and so i began to hone and craft and refine that skill i went on to be a head operations coach for coaching program that was coaching hundreds of digital businesses. And so I was able to get a lot of data very quickly around what makes a business scale, what are the common pitfalls and bottlenecks that will prevent a business from scaling. And with all of that accumulated knowledge, I started my own company so that I can help business owners overcome those challenges within their own companies. That's awesome. So who do you love to serve and support? Like who is your ideal client out of all digital companies because it's yes, no, pretty it's- wide span right now. <laughs> yes. Um, so I niche down in terms of the problem that I solve. The problem I solve is your business has stopped growing and you don't know why. And you don't know what the game plan is. You don't know what the next set of steps is to get to where you want to go. But all you know is that what has gotten you here will not get you there. And something is missing. Generally, that thing is operations because at around that point in your business growth, the same old sales strategies, the same old marketing tactics, the same old product improvements 
stop moving the needle. And it's because none of those things are able to do their best work when they're not backed by operations. And so I, uh, I think of myself as an ops matchmaker. I pair digital businesses with the operational expertise that they need to grow and to scale. And the businesses that I love to work with to do that are digital. I don't know anything about physical supply chains. Can't help you there. Uh, service-based. And they're in that startup stage of needing to build a system and a team. The only other qualifier for me, Michelle, is that they have to be mission-based. Is there a bigger reason that you are growing this business beyond yourself? If so, you're somebody I want to meet and I could probably help you out. Nice. So what are some of the problems that somebody might have in operations that, that gets them bottlenecked? Yeah, definitely. So your business will always speak to you, right? When this becomes the issue, things are going to start breaking. People, it's going to feel like people are not getting more work done. You show up every day, you're feeling reactive to your business. You're feeling like every day, I just like, my business just hands me a tidal wave of things that me and my team need to react to and deal with. And we're all just like running around all day, coordinating with each other, trying to keep the balls from dropping. When that is your lived experience every single day in your business, operations is the missing key there. And you're, you know, you hear this all the time. I'm working in my business, not on my business. There's a reason for that. If you're being trapped in your business, you're not doing the highest value work that's actually going to allow you to grow the business and scale it as its executive and CEO, which let's be honest, it's your job. And so there's a massive waste. There's a massive inefficiency happening where you and your time and your energy is being spent in it and not on it. And so that is the problem that we need to solve if you're ever going to continue to grow and scale your business. Nice. So is it, um, because I think a lot of people think it's just a matter of getting more people in. Yeah. I just hire more people, then that problem will be solved. <laughs> That's almost never the case. But what is the case? What What mm-hmm. is really going on in the business when they're th- thinking that? Yeah, it's a great question, actually. Uh, it's a matter of productivity, right? You may have all the people that you need, but are they working on the right things? Are they doing those things as efficiently and effectively as possible? And are they supported by a ecosystem and an infrastructure that enables them to do those things as effectively and efficiently as possible, right? If I look at an example of, you know, account managers for a marketing agency, the average marketing agency, their account managers handle anywhere between maybe 30 and 50 clients. At my agency, they were handling between 80 and 100, right? So you don't need more people, you need better systems. And you will save on cost in the form of having your workforce if every single person on your team is able to just show up and do what they do best. And the problem that is actually happening in your business is that people aren't doing what they do best. They're tracking down information. They're following up with your team members. They're trying to coordinate and figure out what happened. They're responding to, you know, they're wasting time clicking around, trying to find whatever, right? Like all of those are things that could, that time could be reallocated towards revenue driving growth, but instead it's being wasted and bogged down in all of this manual execution that doesn't actually need to happen if they were equipped with the right systems. Nice. Love that. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. So for example, um, I was working with a client who he was the CEO of the business. He was a founder and he was the single greatest bottleneck in his business. And he would tell you this too. Nothing moved without him. No decision was made without him. Nothing moved forward. Like he was, he was in every departmental meeting. He was there for every project, every program, everything that was happening had to go through him. And it just happened because he didn't trust the team. He didn't know how to let go of all of those decisions. And he ultimately as a leader, didn't know how to make sure that the right decisions were being made 
without him and at scale. So in the course of three months, we went from that situation to his executive team formally firing him into a board of advisory role where the entire company was now running without him because the reality is, is that he was no longer what his business needed. They needed him in board of advisors. They needed a new COO. They needed a new executive team. And so we were able to make that happen for him. And he is much happier for it. <laughs> nice. and love it. Yeah. So that team that took over for him, I'm assuming that at that point they had been working for him for a while and they knew kind of how his decision making was. They knew kind of, they knew their jobs and it just to wasn't an matter. extent. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, there were certainly some members of his team had, had already been there and like they had already had a CEO that they brought in who was familiar with the business. As far as firing him from his role of COO, he brought in a, an ops manager, a remarkable operator. And within 60 days, that person was running the day-to-day of the business. And again, there needed to be some obviously personal development on behalf of that COO, but also some structural and systemic change in the business that enabled that handoff. But he brought in an operator and that person who is now, I believe the CEO of the business formally is running the whole show. Um, and that took 60 to 90 days. Wow. That is impressive. So what does it actually take? Because a lot of people, um, myself included, <laughs> think they, um, when somebody steps into that role, yes. they need to have an understanding in the business. They need to have this background. They need to have, you know, and, and I, I'm assuming that it's all ego. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just speaking from my own experience, yeah, that 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 has to happen. What really has to happen in order for somebody to take over that effectively? The first thing that needs to happen is that you, as the boss, need to decide, choose to redefine success in that role away from they're doing the role exactly how I would do the role to they're doing the role the way they would do the role. Right, the limiting belief that traps so many entrepreneurs and owners in their business is no one can do this role as well as I can. That's just not true, right? Your (laughs) job is right. Your job is not to train this army of like mini me's, right? Your job is not that every leader is making a decision exactly the way you would make the decision. Your job is to put experts in it to every single role and then provide them with the context all the information, all the data, all of the critical variables that they need to take into account in order to make the right call. But your job is not to own that decision. Your job is not to disagree with that decision. Your job is to stress test it and make sure they're taking into account everything they need to and then back their call. Because if you've put the right person in the right role and you've trained them and you've provided them all the context that they need, why wouldn't they make the right call? Right. And I, I'm assuming that, and you train them, is, is usually the downfall of most sure. entrepreneurs, just knowing entrepreneurs. Um, they don't tend to be systems people. They don't tend to, you know, write down and, and itemize how they do what they do. So sure. how do you kind of create that transition? Are you following them around and going, hey, we need to document this or video it or whatever it, or how do you extrapolate that information from them? 
Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a problem when somebody's business is being run out of their brain, right? And I see that a lot where everything works because it's stored in somebody's head, but just from a risk perspective, that's a terrible play, right? Human right. beings, any number of things can happen, right? And so that is certainly the first step. And to be clear, in this particular situation, we walked in, they already had you know a strong project management system, strong set of SOPs, documented best practices. So it was more of a control thing than it was actually a lack of knowledge on what to do and how to do it. Um, but if that's not you yet, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We got to document some best practices. And again, the person who owns the role should be the one documenting the best practices. So that doesn't mean you have to build every single SOP. It doesn't mean that you have to adjust and upgrade and be responsible for every single SOP. That's another thing that I see is people might have this library of like 40 SOPs and 30, not five of them are like, old, out of date, no longer correct. And it's a full-time job just trying to keep everything up to date. That doesn't work either, right? So yes, there to, to an extent, people need to know the how, right? How does this company run? How do these processes and workflows happen? How do I use these systems? From the human potential component of your business know, though, what they really need is the contextual information to just make the call, right? We waste so much time trying to micromanage our team's decisions and control our team's decisions. And ultimately, let's be honest, make the decisions. Mm -hmm. Make sure that the right decisions are being made because there are decisions. But if you are the brain for your business, then you are inherently capping your business because at some point, just the sheer volume of decisions to be made will trap you in the day-to-day of your company. So until you can figure out how to delegate decision-making, not exactly as you would do it, but as the company needs it to be done to move forward. That's the whole trick to scaling a team. And SOPs are a part of it, but they're not all of it. Because let's be honest, critical thinking, strategic decisions, you can't SOP these things out. Nice. How do you you train somebody to do critical thinking? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It starts by not giving them the answers. So Michelle, I use this example of of a magic vending machine, which I see a lot of leaders fall into. But if I was an employee at your company, And right next to me on the desk was a magic vending machine. And every single time I had a question or a problem, I could just hit a button on the vending machine and an answer would pop out. I would press that all day. (laughs) And so would you. And so would everyone. It's a magic freaking vending machine. We all would, right? Mm -hmm. So when our team is coming to us and saying, hey, where do I find this? How do I do this? How should I respond to this client? What do you think about this? Mm -hmm. And you're spitting out the answer. You're a magic vending machine and they will always come to you. And so I hear this all the time from business owners being like, my team, I like, I've already answered this question 10 times. How do they not know how to do this? How have they not figured that? Why can't they think critically? It's because you have programmed a behavior into them that says they don't need to. So why would they? So if we want to change that, it starts by changing ourselves and our leadership styles. Stop being the magic vending machine. When they come to you with a question, ask a reframing question and then send them back to figure it out. When they want something from you, ask them what they've already tried, why it worked, why it didn't work and what they're going to try next time, right? When the ownership for the decision never leaves their table and they are always the last person responsible for making the call or figuring out the task or making it happen, then they learn over time to think critically and take ownership for their role, right? But if you are constantly taking that ownership back from them, why would they? You're the boss. If you tell me that's the right way of doing things, I'm going to believe you. Why would I ever question that? Right. And what if they're, um, I don't want to say they're not asking you the questions, but 
um, oftentimes I see employees are going, okay, this is my task. I will go and do my task and my task is done. Yeah. And it's like, okay, your task is not done. <laughs> right. You need to go and test that. You need to go in, you know, mm. question and do you need to go out and say, hey, was this satisfactory? Was this, yeah. You know? totally. <laughs> like, totally. how do you teach that aspect of um, kind of going beyond? And, and I think a lot of it is being brave enough to, to know that they're allowed to, if you want to put it that way. But totally. what else is going on? Yep. If you are training somebody, and you are painting a picture where their role, their job is to just do the task. And you're setting yourself up for a trap there because their job is not to do the task, right? Their job is to get the job done. If I'm an account manager, my job is not checking calls with clients. My job is client retention. Checking calls just happen to be one of the ways that I do that. And so when we set up our team's jobs as just a series of tasks to be done, then beautiful, check off the task and you're done. As opposed to framing everyone's job through, this is the result that you own in this business. This is success in that result measurably, right? Here's mm. your North Star metric. And here's the target that you need to hit for that metric. And everything that you do in your day-to-day is just a tool or a mechanism to do that. Then the job's not done when the task is done, right? The task has nothing to do with the job. <laughs> the task is just a means to an end. And until we're at the end, the means don't matter. So when you are like, when I'm onboarding somebody, I use a tool called a job scorecard and it's a definition of success in the role. It paints on day one. I give it to them and I say, this is yours now. And it's not a, here's what you need to do every single day. It's not a task list. It's not even a scope of work, right? It's mm-hmm. a set of outcomes that they are now responsible for delivering. How they do that. I don't care. And I genuinely don't, Right. As long as they get this set of outcomes, to me, they're doing their job. And that opens up all their creativity and all their innovation to say, cool, well, how the heck am I going to get that done, right? So from the very beginning, they're taking ownership for their training process. They're taking ownership for the questions that they need to ask. They're taking ownership for doing their own research and, and, you know, having interviews with their colleagues and all of the things that they feel like they're going to need in order to be able to execute those outcomes. So from the very beginning, you are just a coach. You're just there to make sure they have the right information, they have the right context, they have the right people and support in place. They're the ones that are playing on the field and owning the outcome. Nice. So give us an example of some of the outcomes that might be on that list. Yeah. So I would recommend keeping these outcomes focused around how that role drives growth to the business, right? So again, using this account manager example, because we're on there. The outcomes would be lifetime value broken down by retention rate and monthly recurring revenue. The outcomes would not be conduct 15 check-in calls every day. Follow the launch call script exactly how we've scripted it out, right? The outcomes are achieve a 90% retention rate and upsell 10% of your client portfolio month over month, for example, right? So figuring out how is it that that job connects to the money pipeline? And what are the highest metrics that represent that job's growth, growth driver in the business that is still within that person's control? What I wouldn't put on an account manager's job scorecard is revenue, profit, right? These things are are bigger than what a single account manager can control, but they can control their retention rate. They can control how many clients they upsell, right? Mm -hmm. And those are still high growth levers that are entirely within their control. And then you set these outcomes and these targets 
at such a height that only an A player would be able to accomplish that. Because you're defining right there on day one, this is the minimum acceptable standard for what we're willing to tolerate in this role. This is the job, right? Your job is to become an account manager capable of hitting these targets. My job is to just set the targets and then never waver on these and never accept anything less than this. Awesome. So in the, the kind of the struggles that somebody might be having right now in their business, you mentioned yeah. that it's just, it's not growing. We're, we're fighting alligators every day. Everything is important, <laughs> an emergency. Yes. <laughs> and not just important. And, uh, <clears throat> but I guess, is there anything else that would define such as, yeah, we also mentioned, um, employee having to babysit employees, feeling like they have to babysit, feeling like they're still active in that role. Is there any other stumbling blocks that somebody might be having and they're thinking, oh, John, I need you so badly? Yeah. The greatest bottleneck that ends up appearing in people's businesses is always the owner not intentionally, but your time as a human being is capped. Your energy as a human being is capped, right? And so the, I would say the other big challenge that people run into is that they, anybody has a, an easy time delegating out what they're bad at. I think we all know what we're bad at. I think we all know what we don't enjoy doing. And so that's pretty easy to delegate out. Where we have a hard time is delegating what we're good at. And yes, your company needs you to delegate at some point when you reach a certain stage of growth, what you're good at. If you're an amazing salesperson, you should still not be hopping on every single sales call. Even if that salesperson that you bring in closes at slightly less than you do, because it's not your highest value contribution to the business. After a certain point, right, when you really have reached the scale where every single role in the day-to-day -day is being delegated and taken care of, your job is to be the CEO. And it's a job that only you can do. And by that definition, it is the highest value thing that you can do. And so where I see people get really stuck is that they want to hold on to the reins of the thing that they're best at in the business without realizing that that is no longer what your business needs from you. And it's a really hard thing to delegate because again, you're fantastic at it and you're the business owner. Of course, you're going to have the highest conversion rate, right? But your business needs, there, there's better ways for you to drive value to your business now. And your business needs you to take that step back and step into that role. And for the business owners that recognize that and are humble enough to grow into that, because maybe CEO isn't what they're best at, right? Maybe they've never been a CEO before. They don't know how to do that role. So yeah, you're bad at it and you have to learn and you have to get better at it. And it is still higher value for you to do that than for you to be a salesperson, an amazing salesperson. Because at the end of the day, nobody except for you can fill that role. And so people, CEOs so often abdicate the key responsibilities of what their business actually needs from them to default to the sexier or the more fun or like the more interesting parts of their company. But if that's what you want to do, then be head of sales, be head of marketing, right? De demote yourself and get somebody into the CEO role that is world-class filling that role because that role always needs to be filled. And right now only you can do it. Nice. I love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start the journey with you? 
Yeah, definitely. So probably the best way guys to learn more about me, what I do and get in touch with me is through my website. So that's www.johnnalee.com. I'm sure Michelle will put the link here in the, the notes. And that would be, there's a free discovery call link on there. I'm happy to hop on with anybody that thinks they might have this problem that I'm able to help them solve. Nice. Love it. So I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> this is a great question. <laughs> um, you know what? It was actually quite recent. I started a business a few years ago. It was terrible. Just everything about it was terrible. And I pulled from that the lesson that I shouldn't be an entrepreneur, that my space was not to run my own business, obviously, because this thing failed and I couldn't make it happen. That was not me. What I realized is that I just needed to care about the problem that I was solving and feel like I was genuinely talent, like skilled enough to solve that problem for people. And once I spent enough time developing a skill set that I genuinely believed added value to a market and I saw a problem and I knew that I had the ability to fix it, that's when the entrepreneurship light bulb went off. But it was kind of, it kind of snuck up on me. Like it's been, this company has only been open for a little over a year now um, and probably a year and a half ago. I would have never guessed that I would have started my own business. Wow. That's, a, that's a, also a speedy. Yes. <laughs> <turnaround> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Donna, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time and know what it's worth. Any last words for our peeps? I'll leave. This is my favorite quote. So I'll leave you with this. We are not the highest version of ourselves that we can imagine. We are the lowest version of ourselves that we can accept. I think people know this to be true about themselves. Like if I want to get in shape, it's not by putting a picture of me with a fit body on the wall. It's by setting a minimum acceptable standard of how many times I'm going to go to the gym every single week. Right? So we know that to be true about ourselves. It is also true for your team. If you are getting less than stellar performance, it's because you're tolerating less than stellar performance. You're accepting it. And so they will continue to deliver that. If you want to up-level the performance of your team, it happens in exactly one way. And that is by raising your minimum acceptable standard across the board. Love it. Thank you so much, Anna. Yep, absolutely. This was wonderful. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you're looking to scale and automate your business, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating. I like five stars personally and share with your friends.